Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. We are today continuing a series of messages that we're calling Scattered. So if you brought a Bible, uh, we, we've uh, temporarily removed all Bibles from the venues. Uh, but if you have a Bible or if you have your phone, you can go to Bible.com and follow along in Acts chapter 13. And if somebody's like, well, we did Acts 13 last week, exactly. This is part two of a message um, and a part five of a series of messages that we've called Scattered. And we're learning that even while we're spread out, because it's funny, not only are we spread out around the city, but we're even spread out in the venues here today. We've got different seats in between different people to, to keep us a little, you know, abiding by the CDC guidelines. And so if CDC himself walks in, he's going to be happy, all right? We're following his rules. Um, but, but even though we're spread out, even though we're scattered, God is still building us. You believe that? And, um, and, and so we've been learning that throughout the book of Acts so far as we've just, just been kind of journeying, hitting some highlights from the early church. And this is, uh, this is week five. So, of course, you guys know that anytime you're reading the news these days, it's filled with bad news. Everywhere you look. In fact, if you want to keep your day on a positive note, don't watch the news. Don't read the news. Don't open your news app. There's bad news everywhere. So then when online you find something good, you got to like really latch onto it, right? Like for instance, I found something this week. Did you see the clip of the guy who took his goose for a walk? Have you seen this? I brought a clip. Come on. Come on. Is this not the, the coolest thing you've ever seen? He just took his goose and put it in a harness and took it for a walk. Come on, that is ingenuity right there. I, I just, I was like, man, I watched that video way too many times. I laughed way too much. It's literally a goose flying across a, a crosswalk. And I just thought, man, this is, this is so great. I love it. Um, but you know what's, what's ironic about that video? Just that little clip. And I wish I knew who that guy was. I wish I knew who took that video, where, what city that is. There, I have so many questions about that little clip. But what's ironic about that video is that here is an animal given the gift of flight that is now harnessed and leashed, you know, held back. And along the lines of what I want to share with you today from Acts 13, I wonder how often sometimes our own prayers, and I'm speaking specifically to Christians, if you're not a follower of Jesus today yet, number one, welcome, we're glad you're here. Number two, we pray that very soon you're going to have an encounter with Jesus that's going to change your life. But listen, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, joining us online, here in person, listen, I think, unfortunately, sometimes our prayers are a lot like that goose on a leash. Our prayers, the gift of prayer, the weapon, the tool of prayer is something that God has given us to soar, and oftentimes our prayers are harnessed and leashed and safe and sterile, and they change nothing. And, and, and really, last weekend's message and this weekend's message was written to kind of challenge that. 
because we find in Acts 13 a group of people from the early church, five by name, but I imagine there was a whole bunch more of them there. And they begin praying. They're worshiping and praying and fasting. And God sends them out on a mission in Acts chapter 13. And we want to we learn from them. I wrote this message to challenge our weak, safe, sterile prayers. And kind of learn to unleash them a little bit. Today is part two of a message that I'm calling Stop Praying It Safe. We did part one last weekend. Uh, somebody, somebody said, oh, I can't wait for part two. And I was like, good, then I did my job. Left you on a little cliffhanger. And so part two of this message, we revisit the exact same text, Acts chapter 13. And really the goal of today's message is to learn to unleash our prayers, set them free, and in turn, find our freedom that comes through this, these big, bold prayers that, that I encourage you to begin praying if you're not already. Acts 13 is a, is a place where the, the early, the first century church launches out on a, on a mission. They're, they've now covered Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, like Jesus said with the gospel. They've, they've gone through a lot of those regions, and now it's time to get it to the end of the earth. And so I imagine leading up to Acts 13, there's been weeks or months or potentially years of prayer that have gone into this moment of, God, how are we going to reach the end of the earth? How do we get the gospel onto these other continents? And so they're praying, and, and the first century church gets launched out in Acts 13. And listen, I'm praying that God launches us from, from Acts 13 as well. I'm praying that today and last weekend, God is stirring our hearts to begin praying bold prayers. And I said this last weekend, and I'll say it again today. I believe that there will be things that come in, in years to come that we will look back. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically for, for Jen and I, things that God has been stirring in our hearts to begin praying that I believe God has, has spoken to me and I'm praying will speak to you, that years in the future we'll be able to look back on the, this, these weekends in June 2020 and say, God did something in my heart as I started believing again in the power of prayer. And I stepped into some bold prayers of faith and I begin praying and I hope that we're able to launch out today from, from that. In fact, at the end of this message, if you, first of all, if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to start, get to the starting line. That's your relationship with Jesus. Put your faith in Christ as, as the Savior of all mankind. All of us need a Savior. I'll, get, I'll give you a chance at the end of this message, invite you into a relationship with God. But also at the end of this message, I want to prepare you for this. For Christians, those of us, those of you who maybe have just made a decision to follow Christ, or those of you who have been walking with Christ for years, I'm going to give you a chance at the end of this message, wherever you're seated, in whichever venue, if you're in the parking lot, if you're joining us online today, I'm going to challenge you at the end of this message, if God is leading you to take a stand where you are, and just as the first century church was commissioned and sent out, we're going to reach our hands toward you at the end of this message and commission you for whatever God is calling you to as well. I'm praying God launches us out from this weekend. So just as a, let's jog our memories for those of you who maybe missed last weekend, um, last weekend's message, your golf game, really, like you had to get out there and play last Sunday, or you overslept, or whatever it is, no judgment. So let me judge your, let me jog your memory. Um, there's four points over two weekends. So we visited the first two last weekend. Number one, we talked about how the church is built for unity amidst diversity. 
And we talked about interesting timing, not only the racial diversity of the first century church, but we talked about the spiritual diversity and the unity that we see. The, the reality is that as followers of Christ coming together as the local church, part of the global church, we are incomplete without each other and only complete with each other. We're very diverse and we're called to be united in the midst of that diversity. Second thing we talked about last weekend is how a move of God is surrounded by and saturated in prayer. One thing you'll notice in Acts 13, we're about to read it. One thing you'll notice is that um, as the Holy Spirit speaks, that is bookended by prayer and fasting. They're worshiping and praying and fasting. The Holy Spirit speaks, and guess what they do? They worship and pray and fast again. A movement of God. If we want to see God move in our lives, it will only come as we commit ourselves to prayer and and lean into our relationship with God. Let's read Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, and then I want to give you the next two points in this message. Acts 13, verse 1 says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, here's what they did. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John to assist them. This is one of the rare texts of Scripture that your, uh, your, the, the handful, the dozen or so maps that you may find in the back of your Bible really come into play. I don't know if you've ever even known that your Bible has a map in the back, but there, depending on which Bible you have, you may have a map in the back, and there's a pretty good chance you're going to find something about Paul's first missionary journey in the map in the back of your Bible, and this is where a lot of this really begins to play out. And it's actually kind of interesting. In fact, next weekend, we'll talk a little bit more even about the geography. But last weekend, we talked about kind of the first half of verse 2 that we just read, that the, the, the disciples were there, that the teachers and the prophets were there, and they were fasting and praying and worshiping. We focused on their actions. Now today, I want to start by focusing on God's response to their actions. Look again at verse 2, and it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, here's our focus today, the Holy Spirit said. Number three, here's our third point in this two-part message. Number three, when we pray, God responds. Come on, do you believe that, church? When we pray, God responds. It's kind of a big deal that we read that the Holy Spirit said something. And it's a big deal because I imagine you've had friends or you've even read news stories where they've said, somebody has said God told them to do something, and you look at their actions and you're like, God definitely did not tell them to do that. God gave me this message, give it back to God, okay? Because I don't think God actually said that. Listen, if you say God spoke to you, but it contradicts God's word, God did not speak, okay? So th- this is an important thing for us to note that the Holy Spirit said something. And then I guess the question for us is, okay, well, if, if the Holy Spirit spoke to them, does he still speak to us? 
Is he still responding today? Well, let me, let me give you just kind of a couple thoughts on that uh, from my own life. I'll just speak personally. As a person now who has followed the Lord for close to 20 years, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I know I've talked to very, very few people who say they've ever heard God speak. Much more so, that's a way of us saying, as we prayed, as we heard from God's word, as we heard from godly counsel, we knew that the Lord was leading us somewhere, right? So even though I haven't heard the voice of God, I'm not saying that you can't, but I am saying that in my experience over the last 20 years, the way God has led, God has definitely miraculously led Jen and I and our family and our team and our church. In fact, the existence of Awakened Church is proof that God speaks and leads today. I promise you I would not live in Clarksville, Tennessee if God had not moved me here. <laughs> Nothing against Clarksville. I just, this was never literally on the map for me. Clarks where? I've never heard of it, right? And then as, as the Lord began stirring our hearts, we found Clarksville and we began praying and, and God eventually, I mean, it was a period of years that led us here. So I know that God is speaking and I know that God leads us today. Oftentimes though, it's maybe a little bit different than what you would, you would think. When we read God, the Holy Spirit said, I'm imagining that it's probably, it was probably not an audible voice. Now it could have been, but let me tell you that An audible voice from God is the exception to the rule of how God typically guides us in our lives. In fact, let me give you four ways that God primarily uses to guide us. In fact, I would say if you want to know the direction God wants you to go, there's typically the combination of four things that God will use to lead you. Desires, write these down. I hope they'll they'll help you. Your desires, prayer, God's word, and godly counsel. Typically, now again, I can't speak for everybody, and there are people even documented in the Bible who heard the audible voice of God. Paul the Apostle was one of them. But I can say that that the audible voice of God is the exception to the rule. Primarily, the way God will lead you is through the combination of these four things. God-given desires, our prayer, God's word, and godly counsel. I believe that that is demonstrated right here in Acts chapter 13. They had a God-given desire to do what Jesus had told them to do, get the gospel to the end of the, wor- end of the world. So then that desire fueled their prayer. And then God's word and God's people affirmed the calling and sent them out. The combination of these four things is typically how God directs us in in our lives. Now, one thing I think it's important to point out is that Acts 13 makes it sound like as they prayed, God instantly responded to their prayer. But I think this is a a good point to remind us that the book of Acts, 28 chapters, sums up over 30 years of church history. So why do I bring that up? Well, because there are things throughout the book of Acts that seem like they happened instantaneously, but probably had months or even years of prayer and preparation that built up to that thing. So here's why I say that. Because I think if there is one main thing that prevents us from receiving an answer in prayer, listen very closely, it is our impatience in prayer right? Because don't we like our prayer answers like we like our popcorn? Instant, in about two and a half minutes. 
That's how I would prefer it. Like if I just pull out my prayer microwave and I pop in all the right ingredients and I say a couple holy words, ding, I have God's direction and clarity and provision and I've got the next steps that I need to take. Wouldn't that be nice? But where would the faith be? Where would the faith be if all, with, all that we had to say was the right combination of a few things and immediately God had given us the direction and the answer? I believe that there will be things in your life that will look a lot less like a microwave and a lot more like a crock pot. Come on, southern people, right? It's, there, there, there's just no substitute for the time and the soaking in God's presence. And just the, the, the leaning into and the waiting on God's timing and the trusting him for the provision, there's just no substitute. And I'm, just, I'm afraid for our, our American church that has become so uh, Americanized in our, in our age of instant gratification that we turn our prayers into the same thing. And I prayed about it once. I prayed about it on Monday, and God didn't seem to speak to me about it. And so we go on to the next thing. And we miss hearing God's voice because maybe he didn't want you to just pray on Monday. Maybe he wanted you to also pray for that on Tuesday and for all the rest of the Tuesdays for the next couple years. And maybe God's going to actually change you before he changes anything else about your circumstances. But that's only going to happen in the crockpot prayer, not the microwave prayer, right? I feel like I could use that terminology to our, our southern folk, you know, like our crockpots. There's, there's just no time. There's just no substitute for the time spent in prayer. And so there will be, I, I, I hope, I pray, I know that there, I can say this for Jen and I, and I hope that this is the same for you. I hope there are things that you are praying for. That in God's grace, he won't answer for months or years until you've just trusted him and built and, 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 and leaned into your relationship with him for years and years and years. Do you have the patience and the faith to keep praying when it doesn't seem like God's given you anything new for weeks or months or years? And let me speak to that because I pray not only that, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that not only will the, there be those prayers in your life, but can I also just, let, let's expand this a little bit further. I pray that there will be things that you pray for in this life that you never see answered on this side of heaven. I'm not saying that I want God to delay the answer to those prayers. I'm just saying I want the faith building that happens when we ch- are you willing to trust God for the rest of your life, praying for something that it seems like he never answered? But are you willing? We, we drove around the Kmart, the old Kmart building this morning, like we do every day when we're out of the house. And I prayed, God, if we never get this building, I pray the next generation of Awakened Church gets this building. So, so what if I pray for 30, 40, 70 years, how much, however much time I have left? That would make me 106. I don't know if I got that long, but I'll pray, I'll pray at 106 if, I, if, I'm still, if my heart's still beating. I'll, st- I'll still be praying. Whenever it is, if I never see that prayer answered on the side of heaven, listen very closely. If you pray for something for the rest of your life and God does not answer it, not a moment in prayer was wasted. Not a moment. Man, but we lapped that building all the time. I prayed for my son all the time. I prayed for good. Keep doing it. You haven't wasted a moment. 
Come on, stop praying it safe, church. Let's pray and believe that when we pray, God responds. Pray bold prayers. Here's the fourth point from this two-part message. Write this down, number four. I hope this will encourage you. If God has called you to it, he's equipped you for it. Right? Come on. If God has called you to something, he has given you all you need to at least take the first step into that thing. He's equipped you for it. So, you got to, okay, watch this with me in Acts 13. I, I hope that you see this. Their calling, notice, their calling came as they, as they prayed. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and then verse 3, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So it's th- this, this movement that launched the gospel was, was bookended by prayer and fasting. But notice that the Holy Spirit just said, set apart for me, verse 2, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And that was all the recorded words that we have. That's all that we know that God said. So, hey, uh, I want to use Paul and Barnabas for something. That's all. That's all that the Holy Spirit, that's, as far as we know, that's all that God told them. Set them apart. I've got something special for them. And then I imagine, being humans, they're like, God, what is it? He's like, just set them apart. I got something for him over here. And then at some point, they had to just understand, okay, the calling of God has come, but it didn't come with like a slick marketing campaign, a, a 12 weeks of missions curriculum, a seminary degree. In fact, I don't even read that God gave them any clear direction. So here's what they did. Verse 4, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, They went down to Seleucia, that was a port city about 15 miles away, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, which by the way is Barnabas' home island. That's where he was from. And then what did they do? Verse 5, when they arrived at Salamis, so that's the city that they went to, when they they first arrived on the, the island of Cyprus, they went to the city called Salamis. They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So the synagogues, the local Jewish synagogues, had this custom where on the Sabbath, they would invite in some learned men from the city or maybe even visiting the city to speak to those who had gathered on on the Sabbath. It was kind of like every Sunday at the Sabbath was guest speaker Sunday. And they would invite in another guy. And so this is, this is just kind of where they went. Missions was a massive step of faith that Paul and Barnabas in the first century church took. But it had very humble beginnings. It was a huge step of faith, very humble beginnings. Here's what they did. It doesn't seem like the Holy Spirit gave them a lot of direction. Just said, go and fulfill what I, what I told you. Set apart Paul and, Paul, and, Paul and Barnabas. And so they got on the ship. And they, what did they do? They went where they knew. Barnabas goes, well, I mean, there's people who need Jesus in Cyprus. We could go there. There's a port city 15 miles away. Let's, I don't know. Let's, let's start there. So they arrived in Cyprus. And they're like, what do we do now? Well, there's open mic night at the synagogue. We could go try that. That's kind of how this feels. Like, they just did it. It didn't seem like the Holy Spirit gave them a lot of clear direction. So here's what they did. They went to where they knew. This is a word for somebody here today who's waiting on God to call them to something big and massive. And I think so often we think that the, the call of God on our lives is something massive and completely different from what I'm doing right now. 
Somebody's like, well, I just, I teach Awakened Kids class at the, at the 830 service, but I think eventually God's going to call me to like translate the New Testament into Swahili in Africa. Probably. That's probably what he'll do. Okay, maybe he'll do that. But regardless of what your future calling looks like, I can tell you this for sure. It begins with your faithfulness right here, right now, in what you do know. Well, I don't know what's next. That's okay. Do you know what's right now? Just be faithful right now. Just do what God's called you to do right now. Are you using your gifts right now? Just be faithful with whatever God's given you right now. I think we just have to wrap our minds around that our huge dreams always have humble beginnings. As exciting as it is to be gathered together as a church 10 years in, if you only saw September 2009 when Awakened Church started in this little blue and brown building across the parking lot, that's now our kids' corner. Very, very humble beginnings. I was working three jobs. On our first Good Friday, I took my lunch break. My boss wouldn't let, let me off of work to preach Good Friday lunch. It was like a noon Good Friday service. So I took my lunch break, drove to the church parking lot, put on a tie, walked in, preached Good Friday to about eight people who had gathered together for Good Friday, took my tie off, and went back to work. Humble beginnings. But look what God's done as we just embraced, okay, I don't know what the future looks like, but I'll just be faithful right now, right? So I, I, I know that this, like, this idea of launching out leaves us with all kinds of questions. Somebody's like, I don't know how to plant a church. Well, do you have a house and internet? Start a watch party, right? Just, how about invite some people over for the 6.30 service and just watch it right there in your house. That's a great place to start. You may not know where God's going to lead that in the future, but you could start right now. Somebody's like, I don't know how to share the gospel with my neighbors. Okay, well, can you make cookies and have normal adult conversations? Because that's a place to start. I'm going to pay attention to somebody if they bring over a plate of cookies to my house. Like, sure, we could engage in some basic conversation, at least until I'm done with these cookies, you know? You're like, I don't even know how to make cookies. Kroger has some great cookies. Start there, okay? Um, Whatever it is that God's called you to, somebody's like, I don't even know where to start. Listen, just start somewhere. Go the, take a step in the direction that God's already given you and just be faithful with that and trust God that he's going to provide for the next step when he's called you to take the next step. Just be faithful, I think, is the big thing here. I don't read here that Paul and Barnabas got a Google map from the Holy Spirit with all of the cities they were supposed to start a tour on. All I read was that the Holy Spirit said, set them apart. And then Paul and Barnabas were like, where do we go? Uh, let's get on a boat. I know Cyprus, open mic night at synagogues. That's all, I, that's all I got. And that's the movement that started the gospel going global. They took just some steps, right? Come on, church. We're going to stop praying it safe. If God's called you to it, will you believe that he has equipped you for it? Whatever it is, he's got you. And here's what faith looks like. Contentment in the, in the things God has already given us. Here's what we're going to learn to say. If I don't have it, I don't need it. And when I need it, God will provide it. That's faith right there. 
Learn to say that more often. Because this is what it looks like for us to take a step of faith and trust God for the things that, that feel impossible. Now, some of you today, your place to start is just the starting line. It's just knowing Jesus. Here in just a moment, I want to lead you. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. In fact, here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. We're going to, we're going to pray. And when I tell you, I'm just going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you recognize today that you are a sinner separate from God and Jesus is your Savior, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and just stand where you are, wherever you're seated, even if you're joining us online. And we just want to pray for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to surrender your life to Christ. And then in a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to the other group of us, those of us who have made that decision, who you know that God is calling you to just take a faithful step today. And just as the early church laid their hands on and prayed for them, we'll do our own 2020 social distance coronavirus version of that, and we'll extend our hands towards you and pray for you. Because somebody today needs to take a step of faith. And why? Because I know that following Jesus, taking a step of faith, comes with risk and questions. I get it. But, but can I just remind you that David could have never conquered Goliath had he stayed in the comfort of the tent with his brothers? Can I remind you that Peter would have never set the example of faith of walking on water had he stayed in the comfort and safety of the boat with the disciples? Can I remind you that the walls of Jericho could have never crumbled had, Jer- had, had Joshua not risked the marching and the mockery that came about just trusting God in his plan to take down the city? I mean, imagine if Jesus would have put his safety first. Stop praying it's safe. Listen, I know that following Jesus comes with a whole lot of questions, but Jesus is the answer even when you have a bunch of questions. And so today, I I, I pray that God is provoking our hearts to not just sit and be safe, but I pray today that you would start praying about what's next or that for some of you, you would take a step of faith. And only you know what that is. Maybe you share that with a friend or a spouse or somebody near you. you. Only you may right now know what God is putting in your heart, but I'm praying that today begins a stirring and that step. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.